Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Arizona, live from Sunny Slope. We're here with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show on the 4th of July weekend. And rightly so, it's going to be plenty hot for this 4th of July. And uh, no, the, the, the hot's okay. You know, we, we understand hot, but usually three or four days of hot brings a monsoon, and we have no monsoon in the forecast. So our hopes that it does bring a little monsoon. And I haven't seen the real data yet, but I think we had to have the coolest uh, June in history. So we got to pay our dues sometimes, folks. Anyway, happy Sunday. Beautiful day out there. If you like sunshine and uh, not a cloud in the sky. And if you're going to be out doing some hiking, getting around and running and jogging and all those kind of fun things, uh, certainly want to do it early. That or else you could do it at midnight, but it's uh, looking to be a little hot this afternoon. Well, welcome to the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, where we start off every week with wide open phones. We have the lovely Shira here on phones and music for you today. Uh, number to call 602-277-5827. That's 277-KTAR. We could talk about the landscape of your dreams, your nightmares. We could talk about the 4th of July. We could talk about the fun things to do with family and fishing around the state on the 4th of July. A lot of, a lot of beautiful things here to enjoy in a lot of special times and a lot to be thankful for that uh, we have this beautiful country. So we, we have a lot, lot to uh, be grateful for and a lot to share. Anyway, we, uh, can talk about whatever it is you want to grow. There's certainly plenty of styles here. We have our beautiful Sonoran Desert, desert Natives uh, combined with a, a great plethora of food crops we can grow from stone fruits to citrus to uh, lots of veggies. You know, Phoenix was once going to be called Pumpkinville. And um, so there's a reason that uh, people have lived here for thousands of years. And uh, a lot of it's got to do with climate. A lot of it's got to do with our water. And, uh, you know, as we manage our water, it's kind of sad to hear that the city, uh, takes it on to raise everybody's water bills. And, you know, you know, there's certainly a part of inflation that has to happen sometime, but I don't know if that was the best, most ethical way to take care of water. You know, water here in Arizona is critical. It's, it's life. It's always been life. And, you know, it's been managed here magnificently, you know, for a little over a century now since, uh, we started with the, the newer dams with Salt River Project and then the Arizona, uh, Central Arizona Project and management that we use and in our methods that we use in farming with drip irrigation and different things. And we certainly can use it to our, to our best uh, benefit and managing it's really critical. Anyway, almost wide open phones. We have Dia Whitman. If you want to be up after D, all you have to do is give Sure a call at 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. D, good morning. Good morning. Um, I have a couple questions. Can or should palm trees be um, skinned? Well, that's, you know, your own preference. So there's, there's, oh. you can certainly skin them if you like to. Uh, you can skin them too far and damage them, but uh, they'll grow fine and healthy without, you know, Mother Nature doesn't skin or thin them or do anything like that to them. But sometimes in Mother Nature, they burn, too. So, you know, by, by keeping them, you know, skinned and cleaned, uh, you'll have less chances of fire. Um, 
But aside of that, it's strictly a matter of your own preference when it comes to aesthetics. But it's a great question today to talk about palm trees on the 4th of July, because really sometime after the 4th of July is the time to trim palm trees like date palms, Mexican fans, California fans, because if you, I would probably leave them about another two weeks this year. But by then, all the flowers are out. If you take off all the flowers this time of year, you have no litter. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, ours will be trimmed uh, mid, mid-month. That's perfect. Um, and the other question I have, is it okay to start still plants from your nursery in my in my yard? Well, depend, it, depends on what, no, it depends on what you're planting. So this is a, this is a great time of year to plant palm trees. You know, it's a great time. Yeah, for, well, no, I've got plenty. <laughs> okay, but for all, um, all all the desert trees and citrus, this is a very good time of year to plant. Um, you know, if you want to okay, plant a peach tree, bushes? I'd wait till fall. Well, the hardy desert shrubs are all fine. So if you want to plant bougainvilleas, lantanas, sages, you know, all the, the what we are true desert plants, you know, you're going to get a lot of growth oh. between now and the end of the year. Uh, you'll have to be you oh. know mindful and pay attention to water. But, you know, we grow them all year in the nursery, you know, in full sun. Oh, okay. Okay. Because mine will be in full sun. Mm-hmm. Well, so what, about full- any, what about any flowers? Well, I mean, this time of year, flowers, you know, things like vinca do pretty well, and lisianthus. And, I mean, there, there's a group of desert flowers that thrive. You know, angelonias oh. Oh, do quite okay. well. And, you know, there's, so there's a lot of desert flowers you can grow um, that really oh. are heat-loving. And there's a lot that you wouldn't want to mess with this time of year. I mean, geraniums are better left for the fall. Right, right. Yeah. So, I, okay. Okay, very good. Thank you so much, Brian. Thanks, Dee. Have a happy four. Thanks for being the first caller. It's, all, it's always good to kick <laughs> off the program, Dee. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. And you have a happy four, too. Bye-bye. Uh, Doug in Phoenix. Good morning, Doug. Good morning, Brian. Hey, um, the strange thing is this year I um, I have problems with my uh, lawn coming in. Um, I've tried even watering it uh, more than I likely ever have. Spots of it are coming in. It's full sun both front and back. Um, I'm a little afraid to add fertilizer because of the heat right now of burning it. Uh, any suggestions? Well, Doug, did you have a ryegrass lawn there in the winter? Did not. Okay, so it should be coming back by now. Uh, don't be afraid to fertilize right now. Uh, extra oh, nitrogen okay. is going to make it grow faster. Okay, and if you wanted to, you could even aerate it first, throw some gypsum on it, and feed it, and that means it'll absorb the water a little bit better and take the fertilizer down. And uh, you know, as always, when you water, you want to put on about an inch of water and let then let it dry, and that's going to get the water penetration down to eight to ten inches, maybe a foot if you have a lighter soil, and that's the healthiest way to grow a lawn and use the least water and use your water the most efficiently. Gotcha. And so, do you have a suggestion for what type of uh, your you know, your, the, fertilizer? The, the basic twenty-one-seven fourteen lawn fertilizers. Most of those are all pretty darn good anymore. Uh, Turf Royale is one brand, but there are a lot of others too. And most of those are going to contain iron and sulfur, which are two things that are very good for your lawn. In addition to having the nitrogen and phosphorus. So, I don't have to worry about burning it then. Well, you have to water it in heavy. So, you know, kind of the best way to put fertilizer down is to go ahead and pre-water your lawn, you know, skip like a day or two, then put your fertilizer on, then make sure you put the inch of water right on top of your fertilizer. And and, and 21714, almost every manufacturer is going to be very soluble. So, you know, if you put an inch of water, it's going to all go into the soil. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Doug. Have a nice weekend. Happy 4th. Bye-bye. Thank you. Uh, Chad Mesa. Morning, Chad. 
Morning, sir. How are you? Oh, enjoying the day. You know, it, this is the best studio in the world because I get to look in the mountains. I used to climb on all the time. I have a rock squirrel problem. Well, they're not really good to eat this time of year, and there's a lot of them around. Any time of the year. I need to get rid of them. Well, How you, do I do you, that? You can eat them in the wintertime. Um, the best thing to do is probably trap them and move them. Uh, you can trap them. They're fairly easy to catch if you'll bait them in a, one of those live traps. And, uh, right. And basically what you want to do is feed them in that trap for two or three days so they really get used to coming into it, and then they won't be so skittish, and you'll be able to capture them fairly easily. Okay, the, the only I saw something um, at a hardware store about some some stuff you can sprinkle and they'll eat it or something, but I don't know if that's what I want to do. Well, Chad, the real problem with using any kind of a poison on on you know rodents is that uh, you, you're going to kill the the predators. You know, it's it's hard on owls, it's hard on foxes, and believe it or not, we have a lot of owls and a lot of foxes in town because we yeah. don't have a lot of rats anymore. And uh, you know, and, and I've seen a lot more squirrels in the last ten years too than we used to have. But um, you know, they're they're not that difficult to trap, and if you'll move them five miles away, they can go live somewhere else. Yeah, what would you use in the traps? Uh, you know, things like peanuts can work pretty well. And, um, you know, any, or even like peanuts with extra peanut butter so they can really smell it. But that's a pretty good bait for them. And like I say, if you pre-feed them a day or two, they'll get used to eating at your house and it'll be easier to catch. Okay. All right. Good luck, Chad. Sounds good. Thank you. Watch out, Chad's neighbor 10 miles away. <laughs> Bye-bye. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Elaine in Peoria. Good morning, Elaine. Hi. Yeah, happy Sunday. Um, I have a question about my all my containers. Everything's above ground in containers and that kind of a thing. I spend more money every season replacing the top part. And the other day in one of your shows, you said something about fertilizer doesn't go bad. And I'm thinking, do I have to do that? And if I do, how much do I have to replace, um, take out of the old container that put in the the stuff for the season. Well, you know, pretty much as long as you're draining your soil, okay, and you're keeping uh-huh. it active and happy, uh, your your soil does not go bad. And so the soil, okay. you can reuse the soil year after year, but you're going to have to replenish all the nutrients because every time you water, you're pushing some nutrients through and then your plants are taking up the nutrients as well. So how do I replace the nutrients? Well, you're going to add fertilizer. So Well, okay, okay. Well, so my question is, is how much fertilizer do I add? Well, the easiest way in containers is to use something that's slow release like Osmocote. And you could put that on, follow the directions for the size container and the fact they make a, an indoor and an outdoor different formulation of it. But what it is is a slow release fertilizer. And here in the summertime, it lasts about six to eight weeks. And you'll have just fertilize oh. every six to eight weeks. And it breaks down slowly uh, because okay. of the way it's treated and it goes into the plants and into the soil. And the, the difference between that and the synthetic, you know, water soluble like miracle Grow is when you put miracle Grow on, you know, it's going to tend to leach through your soil if you're watering properly. So, you know, you're really going to only have that fertilizer in the pot with miracle Grow about two weeks. Okay. And one last question real quick, and you may have answered it. So yesterday when I was listening to you, you were telling somebody about their fertilizers and different things, and you said you had a friend that invented this um, stuff, 
and that he's made a million dollars and it's the best stuff in the world. And you just went on and on. What the heck was it? Because I oh, was right writing the the, the, pro- the product's called Super Thrive, and, and he and Super Thrive, and, and he, he was a wonderful man, and, and he worked trade shows until he was ninety nine years old. And oh uh, my god, his products available, and I'm sure he's made several million dollars. He's <laughs> made well. Oh my gosh! And what, what is it well, for? It's just a vitamin and hormone product that works really well with transplant shock or like in today's scenario, heat stress. Okay. And it's something that we use commercially, um, you know, when we're transplanting plants or we're planting seeds and those kind of things. And, um, it's, it's really easy to use and, uh, inexpensive when you look at the dose size that you use and it works quite well. And one last, I know I'm taking too much time. Miracle Grow in the in the you know the where you can just throw it on there, not water it down. The granules mm-hmm. is that as good as the Miracle Grow that you put into water? You know, I'm really not familiar with their granular type. If they have a new granular product, you know, I, I consider Miracle Grow typically, and they have Miracle Grow and Mary Acid and those things, and those are always water soluble. You know, they're kind of like buying okay. a twenty 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 or twenty or ten ten ten. But a lot of companies make you know products like that that are water soluble. And they're very useful, and you can use them in the soil, and you can even use foliar applications where you spray them on top of the plants if you're careful. And uh, so, you know, the soluble po- products are, are very useful products. Okay. Well, you answered all my questions. Well, Elaine, have a nice four. Thanks for calling. You too. Bye-bye. Uh, we're going to take a short break, and we have wide-open phones. It's Shira and Brian and Troy. We're all three here every Sunday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on 92.3 FM KTAR with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. If you give Shira a call during the break, you can be up next. The number to call is 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Can you take care of her? Oh, maybe you can spare her Several moments of your consideration Leading up to the final destination Oh, the earth is calling out I want to learn what it's all about But everything I read global warming going green I don't know what all this means But it seems to be Flowers and sing this song too? 
Uh, just a little Miley Cyrus tune. Beautiful morning out there, folks. We have wide open phones. Give us a call. Number to call 602-277-5827-277 KTR. And uh, kind of a happy birthday for America today. And uh, it's one of those things that uh, goes back. It was very, very special from our Bill of Rights to our Constitution to our freedoms that we have. And something that we certainly have to protect. And uh, it's up to us to protect it and make this place as best we can and realize at the same time that we have our faults <laughs> you know we we've had faults since day one we're going to keep making mistakes and having faults forever but you know we truthfully in life learn from our mistakes and uh hopefully we don't make too many that cost us too much but uh, we're always going to have a few uh still got some lines open the number to call 602-277-5827-277 ktar pam and sun lakes good morning Good morning, Brian. Um, I have a fairly new to me moringa tree, about three feet tall, and a five-gallon pot. It's a very nice-looking tree. I've been deciding where I'm going to put it. And yesterday, um, this cute little bee came in and very quickly took off with a leaf. He was back shortly thereafter, and he continued to come back several times before I brought the tree inside because I figured it out. <laughs> it's a cutter bee. Uh, he's not going to harm your tree. He, he's just going to use, utilize it for a little home construction. And I could barely hear you. I said he's not going to harm your tree. He's just doing a little home construction. That's how they, they build their nest with them. And uh, if you go out and look for a hole in your wall somewhere, you'll see where they were building their little home. And, and really, that's you know, the moringa tree is going to grow quite fast. So it, it'll replace those leaves very quickly. Uh, moringas are frost tenders. The downside to them here, they're fairly fast growing, though, and they're fun to use. So they would probably do best on an eastern exposure. And uh, if, if, if it's been outdoors in full sun, it'll take the full sun pretty well. This might be a rough week to plant it. You might wait a week or two until we maybe have a little monsoon and not 113 degrees. And it would probably be a little happier. Um, and if you want it to grow into a large tree, you're going to have to be willing to protect it from the frost. Gotcha. Yes, good medicine, I think. Well, it's it's a fun tree to grow, and they're easy to grow. Um, not that you want to plant it where you really need a big shade tree, and not that it can't grow into a large tree. It just depends on what happens with cold weather. No, I want to keep it relatively easy to harvest. Well, you can, you can keep it pruned, and that's not a problem. Okay. And maybe the, the bee was, maybe the bee was doing you a favor already. <laughs> I don't know. I think if I would have left it there, he might have taken all my leaves. Well, not that particular one because they only make a little nest about an inch long and a oh, probably as big as a pencil. So he wasn't going to take too many leaves, but his cousin might have showed up. <laughs> well, I'll have to see where his house is. <laughs> well, see how can, he's doing. well, and see all the good things that they do for us out doing pollinating and stuff, too. So they are a useful part of our environment. Pam, thanks for the call. Have a nice morning. I fourth. agree. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, Kathleen in Avondale. Good morning, Kathleen. Hi. Um, I, put, I hung something in a tree uh, with a couple of nails or screws, and I'm going to take them out. Uh, do I need to protect my tree? It's a big, old tree. No, probably not. A nail or two is not going to harm it. You know, I had a grandfather that used to store everything in the orange grove, and he'd say, go down to row two and the tree in the back and look up in there, and you'll find the big tool you're looking for. So, uh, you know, a nail or two is not going to harm a big tree. Okay. 
Thank you. So you can leave them or remove them. Either way, it's not going to hurt the tree. Well, I, I have to remove them. I put something in a tree. I have great grandkids that will climb the tree and use those things. All right. Well, that's <laughs> awesome. kill themselves. Well, we don't want that to happen. Yeah. Especially not on the 4th okay. of July, Kathleen. But, yeah, it's not going to hurt the tree at all to remove them. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Of course, it could be like those trees that do talk back to us. It might just say, ouch. Uh, Mike and Scottsdale. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Brian. How are you today? Oh, enjoying the day. Good, good. Hey, I have a, a big ficus hedge, uh, and part of it's a three, four years old, grown very high. Then I put a newer part in. Is there like is there a good time to trim it and keep it flush to you know to, to clean it up, or is it? Is it just as I go? Does it matter what the fight is? Mike, right now is a bad time to trim it. <laughs> this okay. is about the worst, okay? Because they're going to have our longest days, most intense sunlight and high heat. So if you expose okay. the wood to the sun, it'll burn this time of year. Um, it would have been it. better. To, you know, had we known that June was going to be so cool, you could have pruned it in May. But you could do a little bit of moderate pruning anytime. So even right now, as long as you're not exposing the wood to the sun, it's not going to really harm yeah. the tree. And uh, major pruning is probably best done early in the spring, like March or April. So if you decide you want to take the whole tree down and, you know, make it back into an eight-foot hedge instead of a 20-foot hedge, that would be the time you do that major pruning. Okay. So you can do that. That, that was my last question was, like, if it gets really, really big, you can take it down and kind of clean it up. Absolutely. Make it a- you can butcher it. You know, we have a big ficus tree in front of our nursery at Glendale Avenue. And when Rosie and I planted it, it was a bonsai tree. And then we just let it go. And now it's this monster ficus. It's probably 50 by 50 or more. But... Um, oh. You can prune them back dramatically, and you could even expose, you know, a lot of the wood to the sun. But we want to do that whenever the days are short and the temperature's not so intense so we don't sunburn it, and it has a chance to really grow back out. So that's why we'd want to do it like the 1st of March, because by March it's warm enough they're going to be growing, and they'll be rebudding, yeah. and uh, they can protect themselves. The other trick, if you're going to do really major pruning like that and you want to take it all the way back into the wood, is to do a portion of the tree at a time. So if you would do it in two okay. or three steps over a month or so, so if you would butcher like half the tree, let the other half, you know, keep feeding it so the other part will rebud and then after it rebuds cut the other portion down it's going to recover much much more quickly okay well that's awesome one last question like the back goes over a wall and the front you want flush you know you want it straight do i have to do the back as well as the front or would that matter or would be off balance well it'll make a lot nicer you know what's behind the wall on the other side uh, just like a, a causeway between the two houses that we have. Like there's a pathway between his fence, my fence, causeway, and then his fence. And my tree kind of falls over that. Well, it might be just a considerate thing to, you know, to balance the whole tree out at one time. It would probably be a better idea. Right. And um, Nobody's ever con- uh, called me considerate, so maybe I should <laughs> Well, it's good to be a good neighbor. The other trick is, too, uh, Mike, when you're, when you're trimming a tree like that and you want it to be a hedge, what you want to do is you want to have it narrower at the top when you prune it and wider at the base, and that way the sunlight oh, okay. goes all the way down and it'll stay full down lower to the ground. Ah, perfect. Good stuff. Well, Brian, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Have fun, Mike. Bye-bye. Let's see another Mike and surprise. Hello, Michael. Hello, Brian. Good morning. How are you? Oh, enjoying the day. Good, good. Brian, I have a saguaro cactus that a cactus wren uh, rented out for a couple of weeks and uh, had her babies, and now she's gone, and I I covered it up with screen and mesh. 
but that hole that she made goes down about eight, nine inches. Um, is there anything I can put in there to protect the tree from any kind of uh, disease or any kind of problems with that tree? Well, the, the nice part about the birds building their homes in the, in the trees the way they do is as they're doing that, they keep it cleaned out, okay? And then it basically okay. builds a callus on the inside of it where it's just scar tissue and so that it's not really penetrable usually to anything. So, you know, those bird holes that are in the trees, usually the birds do a pretty good job sealing them up. But if you wanted to, just kind of... You know, <laughs> give the birds some grief, you could just get a can of spray foam and just spill, fill it up with spray foam if you wanted to. Really? Yeah. Okay. Not going to hurt right. Very good. Thank All, you, Brian. All righty, Mike. Thank you. Bye-bye. Oh, uh, let's see. And it looks like, oh, yes, there he is. Mr. Troy Barrett, folks, has entered the studio. We're going to have some live news report. In the meantime, we have two lines available. You can call Shira at 602-277-5827, and we'll find out what's happening around the world this morning for Mr. Troy Barrett on the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. We're all here every Sunday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on 92.3 FM KTAR. How many roads must a man walk down before you call him a man? Seas must the white dove sail before she sleeps in the sand. Isn't how many times must the cannonballs fly before they're forever banned? The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. The answer is blowing in the wind. Isn't how many years can a mountain exist before it is washed to the sea? Isn't how many years can some people exist before they're allowed to be free? Isn't how many times can a man turn his head and pretend that he just doesn't see the answer my friend is blowing in the wind the answer is blowing in the wind well welcome back folks beautiful sunday morning out there and uh it's not too windy today well bob dylan's just not it's not much wind to blow his answers around maybe he's not going to find the answer today because there's no wind i don't know uh anyway what's uh, next up we have rita in the tunnel basin hello rita Hi. How are you? Are you hanging out at the Pumpkin Center Bar? And no, we're right above that. <laughs> but here's my question. Okay. <laughs> um, I've lived in Payson my whole life. And so, like, the rules for gardening there was never plant anything before, like, April 15th mm-hmm. or, like, May 15th. Here, we moved down here about a year and a half ago, and I planted, like, in April. But I planted, like, the normal stuff we would have planted like zucchini and, you know, cucumbers and tomatoes, they are, like, really struggling. So I, am I supposed to plant them, like, according to Phoenix? No, you know, you're, you're a little bit warm. No, they, they should be fine even if you plant, you plant them in April. Yeah, like the end of April. And no. they're in raised beds yeah, and, I, like, I, they're I, covered. I think, they I think your soil's probably just a little weak. 
You know, I think oh. they probably need more fertilizer. Rita, these, these are new beds, first year. Yes. Okay, but yeah, I would just hit them with some more fertilizer and kind of oh, build your soil. Okay. Did you put any native soil in with your bed? I did. Okay, that's good. I did. We filled the whole bottom end with native soil, and then I put like topsoil over it, mixed it in, and then planted, and then fertilized. And yeah, everything. And they're shaded. It's well, you know, shade, got, shaded like, is not necessarily good. Yeah. Now that you have them shaded this week, don't take it off this week. But you would have okay. been better having them in full sun. Oh. Okay. Oh. So, but okay. but right now, let's just hit them with some more fertilizer today. I mean, you could use, and if you want something quick, like you know, Miracle Grow or Peter's, one of those is going to be fine. Yeah. yeah. But okay. Why, why, I had to te- why I had to tease you about the pumpkin center bars because whenever I was probably oh maybe seven or eight years old, my father was working for APS and Payson. Yeah, and, and he was just putting power into the bar there at Pumpkin Center. It was probably late sixties, and yep. uh, before that there was you know no power there. So on Saturday he took right. me down to hang out with the Cowboys at Pumpkin Center <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and back, with their horses, with yeah. their horses, <laughs> and, and they sat yeah. at the bar and told me lies that were just you know oh Slim he grabbed. The lion out of the tree by the tail. Oh, yeah. Shot him. And, oh, yeah. And then they kind of made you a believer because they came riding in with their horses and game and fish. I'm telling you, today, but, there are so many stories. It's unbelievable. But they came in with a, about half javelina and half dogs, you know? And they all, <laughs> but, uh, it, it's a fun it's a fun place. It is. It's so beautiful. It reminds me of what Payson was like 30 years ago. That's why we moved down here. I, like I said, I lived in Payson my whole life. And it's like that slower pace, really. But it's hot. Oh, my goodness. It's, <laughs> it's so much hotter. It's 10 degrees hotter. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. oh my God. You, you got to pay for it's not hot. having the traffic that comes through every weekend. You know? <laughs> okay, real quick. One yeah. more question. Okay, so my husband put in something called Bob Sod. Uh-huh. Does that sound familiar? Okay, like a few years ago. Okay. And we've struggled and struggled with it. And this year he's like, I don't know what's going on. He called the, the company and they said, well, let it get hot and it'll green up. It's not greening up. Have you fed it it's much? Still, we've fertilized it like twice and like it's watered all the time. And Do you have a lot of traffic on it? No, no. Okay. What you, you know? What you, no. might, you might want to do is you might want to take it out and put in like a mid iron sod. Mid iron. Mid iron. Okay. Mid iron or easy turf. If you don't have a lot of traffic, uh, they're going to no. be a little more durable, uh, faster growing no. Bermuda grass. That's going to be more normal and probably okay. better for your application than bob sod. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much. Well, thanks for the call and have fun. And y- yes, it is hot. You know, it's, <laughs> it's way hot down here. Well, our, our place is up in Taylor and it's been 90, you know, but, but there's something nice magical there. the way, well, the way, the way the, you know, the fronts hit Payson, you know, between there and the top of the rim is pretty amazing. But it uh, is, it is. Like, you're, you're, it, on the, it, you're on the bottom incredible. end of the rim there and then you can go, the, the bottom you can go end. fishing over Although, at the lakes really yeah. close. <laughs> I mean, we're still in Payson every day, but it's like, oh my gosh, why did I leave here? <laughs> <laughs> but it's great in the winter. <laughs> it's a little warmer in the winter. Take care, Rita. It is. It's very nice. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye now. Oh, let's see. That leaves us with three open lines, folks. The number to call 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. 
Ron in Fountain Hills. Good morning, Ron. Good morning, Brian. Uh, my question is, can you grow Joshua trees in Fountain Hills? Absolutely. In fact, that's pretty close to their native elevation. Um, the hardest part with Joshua trees is probably finding their availability. Um, but, you know, Joshua trees natively grow here, you know, from pretty much Wickenburg up through, you know, Yarnell Hill, the kind of foothills over there, and then all the way up towards Kingman. And then they, they're native up into Nevada and California. Right. That was going to be my second question. Any idea where to well, acquire you know, one? We may have some, but I'll tell you what we sell a lot more of, and I think people just like to look better. It's similar. It's called a Yucca Thompsoniana, and it's a multiple-headed yucca that's very, very similar to a Joshua tree. It just has a bigger head on it. And I think that uh, I, see. I think that just for the the look of the tree, I think that it's been more popular, and so we really nobody's really produced that many Joshuas, you know, because the other yuccas have the bigger head. Sure. Okay. Good. We'll consider that. Well, Ron, thanks for the call, and have a nice weekend. Happy Fourth. Thanks, Brian. Bye bye. And that leaves us with wide open phones, folks. Don't be shy. Zandra doesn't bite. All you have to do is give her a call. 602-277-5877 or 5827-277-KTAR. And we could talk about whatever you want to grow, water, plant, fertilize, or kill. If you're in another fun place and have a favorite little bar like the one up there, Duncan Center, you could tell us a nice Arizona story, too, for the 4th of July. You know, there's so many different celebrations here. Historically, you know, we always went to the one in, uh, down in um, Dateland, Arizona, where we've shot our fireworks off with the Dateland community. And uh, this year, I think I'm going to Flagstaff, and uh, we're going to do a family thing up in Flagstaff this year. But uh, it's certainly a beautiful state with lots of different, you know, fun places to go to, lots of wonderful communities here, lots of diversity in Arizona. And that's what makes it special from our, our native communities like up at White River, you know, to uh, having places in the, you know, Yuma Desert. You can get up all the way to Holly Lake if you want to. And, you know, you can get to places that oftentimes this time of year will have the nation's high and low temperature the same day. So a lot of fun places to go, a lot of fun things to see and uh, a lot of fun things to do. But the most important thing we have is all these beautiful people we have in the state to share it with and now we have all different kinds of new foods new plants and new things to do uh next caller sharon and key or queen creek hi sharon hey brian how are you this morning wonderful hey i have a question for you we've got a couple of yellow bells they're about six years old um they are on the west side of our house they're kind of in a shaded area we're wanting to transplant them to our backyard um so they get have them in the backyard. When would be a good time to transplant those? Well, probably when the, when the monsoon starts. You know, so when it it's, starts, it's, okay. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to wait that long. You could move them now, but it'd be better if you had a little humidity. So, okay. what, what I would do is not try and transplant them this week when it's 113 and dry. But as soon as we have a monsoon that starts rolling along, then go ahead and dig them out and move them. And what you want to do is cut them back just about to the ground. Just just chop okay, the plant back to like five inches tall. And, uh, okay. and what you might do is uh, kind of preemptively prune it. So you might go ahead and prune it back now and let it start to regenerate and then transplant it would be easier okay. on the plant. So if you want to just cut them off right now and let them start again, and then when the monsoon gets going, go ahead and transplant them. Okay. 
Awesome. You you answered all my questions before I even had to ask them all. So <laughs> thank <laughs> well, you. <laughs> that, that, that's how we do You know, what's fun about this program, Sharon, is first off, I just love being here. But secondarily, is we get more, we, we take more calls than, than anybody on the radio that I know of anywhere on the planet. And we, 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 wow. love, we, we love your calls and all your participation. So have a fun fourth and be safe with your family. Hey, you too. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. All right, bye. Uh, Bud in Sun City. Good morning, Bud. Okay, I po- thanks for taking my call. For, I planted 12 ficus trees in my backyard. And uh, I've got the watering system all worked up. It works fine. Uh, the trees uh, are all green leaves. They, they seem to be growing quite well. Should I be putting any extra fertilizer? I haven't put any fertilizer on them at all. If you want them to grow faster, it'd be a good thing, bud. You could even feed them right now. You just want to be careful not to put too much hot nitrogen fertilizer on at one time. So probably the yeah. best for ficus would be something like a citrus food, like a sixteen eight four or something like that. Is and, that kind of a liquid? Well, that's going to typically be a granular, and it's going to release a little slower. Uh, you can certainly use a liquid like Peter's or miracle Grow if you want to. Just be careful not to put too much on at one time. Okay. Yeah, I want them to grow. I, I just want some nice character in the backyard, so I figure I'd put some ficus trees back there because you don't really have to mess with them once they're growing good. Well, you'll have to mess with them once they get to be 40 feet tall and take over your whole yard. I don't care. <laughs> and you'll have birds to come fertilize. They'll be self-fertilizing when they get bigger. Yeah. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, bud. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, we're going to take a short break. While we're gone, we do have three lines available. You can give Shira a call at 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. And I hope you can swim a little Sweet Home Alabama today. Or we, we got another song coming up for you that's an Arizona song. But uh, that, that's got to be the best Fourth of July tune that we have on our list today. At any rate, I want to take a minute and invite you out to Whitfields. You know, Whitfields, we grow trees. We also sponsor the program, and that's how we pay for the program is by selling trees and flowers and shrubs and all those kind of fun things. We deliver, plant, and guarantee. We're licensed, bonded, insured. No job's too big, none's too small. If you need a tree for your backyard, if you want a lemon tree, you want to have lemons this year, come out and see us. You can take a 15-gallon home and plant it yourself, have lemons on it right now, or you can have us deliver a big 36-inch box. Whether you plant citrus or palm trees or desert trees, now is a great time to plant. They do really well in the heat. You're going to get a whole year's growth by waiting instead of waiting till the fall. So plant away or else we'll do the digging for you. And at Whitfields, you can buy time. We have trees up to 30 foot tall that can provide shade next week. Our original store is at 824 East Glendale Avenue. We're in the East Valley at Cooper, which is the same 
as Stapley in Guadalupe, or 2647 East Southern Avenue, Southern Avenue, straight south of the Sky Harbor Airport. We are going to be closed on the 4th of July, having fun with our family, so that won't be the day to come see us, but just about any other day, you know, Christmas, New Year's, 4th of July, and Easter, um, you know, we're going we're gonna to be there except for those four days, but uh, have a good time with your family on the 4th. Come out and see us today, if you like, or tomorrow, and uh, we can get those trees planted for you pretty quick, and we guarantee them to do well here in the Valley for four generations now. Uh, let's see. Next up, we have uh, Mark and Mesa. Hello, Mark. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for being part of the program. I have two questions. Uh, the first one is I have in my front yard a guava tree. Uh, it gets mostly sun. It's shaded in the early morning and in the late afternoon. And last year, unbeknownst to me, the landscapers cut cut the cut it back so that uh, it's now basically a canopy, and it, it's not showing any signs of bearing fruit. And I was wondering, when do they start normally flowering, uh, and should I just consider this season lost? Uh, yeah, they flower in the spring, so you probably lost the season. Um, but the nice part okay, about so it is that fertilize it. Yeah, just let it grow all summer. You know, and guavas do really well here when they're established, and uh, you know can be very fruitful. You do have to watch them with hard freezes, but they'll take a moderate freeze. And uh, you know they're a pretty fun plant to grow. But if you cut it back right before it blooms in the spring, you know then that's going to knock the crop off it. Okay, so I'll just fertilize that one and look for next year. It's, it's pretty. It's established. It's over twenty years old. It's probably. I don't know, 12 to 14 foot tall. The other question, I have a, a pomegranate tree in the backyard that is in full sun that has never bore fruit that ripens. Well, there are flowering pomegranates, Mark. So, and a lot of pomegranates historically were grown just for their bloom, just because they're a pretty plant. And we had a huge one at our house, especially if it's an older tree. Uh, we haven't really sold those much in the last 10 or 15 years, but we used to sell a lot of flowering pomegranates. Okay. Now that answers my questions. Thank you very much. Hey, Mark. So if you want to have a fruiting pomegranate, just plant another one. But uh, yeah, the flowering ones does it have kind? Of, <laughs> does it kind of have a two tone flower on it? Or is it a single uh, color? You know, I'm, I'm not. It's pretty much one color. Yeah, because there's, there's there's four or five different flowering varieties that were very popular here. You know, going all the way back to the 20s. So there's there's a lot of flowering pomegranates around. Okay. All right. Thank you, sir. Have a good fourth. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Have a good fourth. Uh, Kathy in North Phoenix. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, Brian. Um, I have a question regarding our Cape Honeysuckle. Mm -hmm. We're fairly new to our patio home, and um, last year we planted three honeysuckle along well, on the north side of the house is a wall between us and our neighbor. And it gets pretty direct sun, and the little five-gallon ones we planted all pretty much died. So in the fall, we planted five-gallon honeysuckle uh, plants, and I'm wondering, well, now they're, like, growing really fast and spindly up in the air because mm -hmm. we want to eventually have it as a hedge, maybe about eight feet tall, if that's possible, to uh, sort of knock out some of the view of our neighbor's home. Um, so I'm wondering, how do we protect it from the sun, from actually them dying like they Well, did. Kathy, if they're facing south, which it sounds like they are, so they're on the north side of your property, but they're facing south? 
Correct. I think that's right. That That's a great location for a Cape Honeysuckle. And the advantage oh. is this time of year, the sun goes past north, okay? So the wall is actually... The sun, I, I missed that. The sun does what? It goes past north, all right? So oh, I see. right yes. here in the heat of the summer in the longest days, like right now, uh, I can look at the shadow out here being casted by a canopy, you know, and the basically the north side, the south side of the wall shaded. So they're in shade, which they're going to get a lot of light and shade right now. And then they're going to get full sun again in about another two or three weeks. But um, from that standpoint, they're pretty happy with Cape Honeysuckles. They're more of a tropical plant. Okay, so you want to make sure that they get plenty of water, minimum of twice a week, and a light dose of fertilizer, not too much because they'll burn, but they'll thrive at that location. And if you want, if your main goal and objective is to have the full up high, you can just let them grow high. And the nice part about southern exposure is the lower portion of the plant's going to constantly receive light as well. So they'll they'll fill in and, and be fine. Perfect. Well, that sounds great. So... I can actually fertilize, and at this time, we did it like a month ago, I liked uh, fertilization. That's probably why they grew about another foot. Well, that really helps them. Uh, you might skip this week and, and fertilize them again as soon as the monsoon starts. Okay, super. Thank you so much, Brian. We love your store on, on Glendale. Well, we have a lot of fun. That was my grandparents' orange grove and my their old adobe house right there in the front. And yes. We had a lot we of fun growing there, up there. Or, <laughs> we walked around in there. Anyway, well, I'm not sure of the house, the, the little room off to the yeah, side. Yeah, well, that, that's the house. That's their adobe house. They built the adobes from the backyard there, and, and that's how they built their home. Okay, super. Well, Brian, thank you so much. Thank you, Kathy. Bye-bye. Uh, Tom in Phoenix. Good morning, Thomas. Good morning, Brian. Quick question. I have corn that's about 11 feet tall, and I only have one corn per huge stock, and I'm and I'm worried now that it's going to be ruined by the heat. Well, so they're individual plants and they're 11 feet tall and it's a shade? No, you know, some, but not a lot. Because, yeah, that's, that's pretty tall, pretty tall cotton, as they say, really tall corn. And uh, yeah, so. I don't know when my wife planted them, right? And she put the seeds in and boom, it. It grew and they grow fast. And now one is coming through the leaf, right? And that's toasted. And the others are still covered. So I think I can save them, but I don't know when to to take them off the stock. Well, is, is it is, 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 is they flowered out yet? Y- yes. And then I read that you should wait six weeks after they flowered. Is that right? Well, I'm not, I haven't grown enough corn, Tom, to be the tor- the, the corn aficionado, <laughs> but I guarantee yeah. you, I guarantee you that we have a caller or somebody that can call us in the rest of the program and tell us a lot right. more about corn than I know. I, I just yeah. I just planted some Indian corn up at our farm in Taylor, and we're going to try and make it. You know, we should have planted it a month ago. We just kind of planted this week, so we're going to see if we can make it, have it make before uh, the end of our season, but... Um, Gotcha. But my peppers are great. My tomatoes are wonderful. I did some Bermuda grass that's coming in. It loves the sun and water. So how much should I water the Bermuda? 
Well, the, the key to watering a lawn basically is to put an inch of water on at a time. Okay. And we want to use an inch of water because that's going to get us penetration in the soil somewhere between eight, eight inches and a foot deep. And that way <laughs> our lawn's going to be really healthy and root down deep. And then what we want right. to do is shut the water off after you put an inch of water on and stick a screwdriver in the ground. And when the ground gets hard and it won't, you know, the screwdriver won't go in, it's time to water again. But for most lawns, that's going to be about once a week. Okay. And we're watering twice, once at five in the morning and once at eight at night. Well, that wouldn't and be bad for a new lawn getting it established, okay? But good, what, and that's what it is, really. It, I just put it in three weeks ago, and it's coming in beautifully, but it's it's in botches, right, blotches. Mm-hmm. And so. it's going to fill in like it has. But I am a little worried. I'm thinking overseeding in a in a couple of weeks. You know what, Tom? I'm, I'm going to put you on hold. I'm going to give you a little more information off the air, okay? Because I got to say goodbye for the hour. We have a hard break with a with the news coming up. So we'll be right back after the news with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. In the meantime, we do have a couple lines available. The number to call Ms. Shearer, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR for the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show.